Welcome in, welcome to, thank you for joining in, all the good stuff on the Beat Live. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. conversations off air um if you're wondering why the photo on the front looked different that is in fact elliot Cadeau, but i cannot for the life of me figure out the photo editing tool i need so not our usual up to standard what is up to standard is the inside carolina beat crew adam smith leads it jeremiah holloway and evan rogers evan you notice when i introduce you i never say intern evan have you noticed that i have not i think was it was it John, who removed the label last week? Yeah, we did not have. We did not. I I wasn't. That was two weeks ago when I wasn't with you. I don't do labels, man. You're just one of the guys. I appreciate Um, it. He's been Jeremiah. Yeah, really. (laughs) And Jeremiah, we missed you today. We're over at Boschheimer Stadium covering UNC baseball's media day. Adam and Evan were there, along with a lot of people. It It was more people at baseball media day than I've ever seen in the Bosch press box during the season uh, minus a big series with nc state or whatever but an interesting day check out the baseball message board for all that we're gonna keep this show tight i've got an order to try to get this if we can go under 45 minutes i get a bonus so we're gonna do it but we're gonna do quote oh you got two minutes on your quote and adam you got some great stories we're gonna go two minutes for quotes we're gonna go five minutes for stories and then we'll figure out where we're going. North Carolina, of course, coming off some wins, goes to Florida State on Saturday. Hubert Davis availability tomorrow. So we'll look ahead to this weekend. Jeremiah, I'm coming to you first. You're you're at the top of the screen for a reason because you're starting us off. Give me a quote from this week, whatever, wherever you want to take it. You got roughly two minutes. Cool. Uh, so one of the big stories this week was obviously – R.J. Davis, uh, career high, 36 points. And there were some pretty cool quotes that I think that we got from that scrum. So um, I ended up kind of coming in, uh, you know, toward the, you know, the later part of it. And, you know, I think we had some good dialogue going, just, you know, me, R.J., the people that were around. So um, to set the scene a little bit, just real quick, um, I had just got through talking to Harrison Ingram, and he was just talking about how some of those guys on on UNC's team would actually stay after practice to do some one-on-one stuff and things like that. Um, and so uh, one of the questions I actually asked, um, I asked this to Jalen Withers and I also asked this to RJ Davis. I was asking them who on the team actually guards RJ the best because the guy's averaging 20 points against, you know, uh, all the teams that he's been playing. Uh, and so I actually asked RJ about the one-on-one thing that Harrison Ingram was just getting through telling me about. And I said, hey, you know, like, who do you face off? Because he was saying Seth guards in the best. So I was like, do you see him most of the time you guys play on one-on-one? So he was saying that he hasn't yet got into the one-on-one session. Then he went on to say, uh, you know, uh, if I did, he said, I definitely will join, you know, because then he also goes on to say, quote, I will be the one-on-one champion. Not one person on that team can guard me. And then he throws in, especially Harrison, because obviously Harrison's like sitting right next to him or whatever. So he throws in the especially Harrison. So I picked that one because it's just kind of a reflection of, 
you know, kind of the the zone and the confidence that he's kind of in right now. Um, obviously, we know R.J. Davis as a natural scorer. We know him as a guy that really, and me and I am kind of talking about it, like there's really not like too many ways that he can't score. You know, like he, he really from – he can drive on you. He can shoot the three. The mid-range is there. He had a ton of floaters the other day. Um, so he really kind of has that complete package. So I just kind of picked that because it's a little bit of reflection of just – where his confidence is right now. And I personally thought it was kind of funny, you know, uh, you know, it's always funny when, uh, you know, the teammates have that banter with each other. So that's the quote that I decided to go with. Definitely agree with that. It's, it's that connectivity and all that stuff that Hubert talks about. You see it every day. You see it in the post game, folks, if you watch this and you don't watch um, the post game remarks from the players, and all that. Be sure to check it out because, to Jeremiah's point, it's an interesting dynamic with this bunch, especially compared to the last three or four years. Um, and in the COVID years, we were talking about Zoom press conferences and all that. It's just you're finally seeing the personalities of these guys. Adam, give me a quote. Well, let me get my quote for you, baby. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, this quote is from one Elliot Cadeau. And uh, the question was, this was after UNC beat Wake Forest um, the other night, Monday night. seems like a long time ago um, for whatever reason. Um, But UNC beats Wake Forest, obviously, to to run their winning streak to nine in a row. It's a game that UNC trailed at the half, and Evan was all on top of it. He he had the the stat looked up as the thing was going to halftime. That was the first time the Tar Heels had trailed at the half since they played Kentucky on December 16th. And as um, I'm sure the audience knows, uh, Wake was up three early in the second half before Carolina caught fire and just – I mean, it's a it's a game Carolina trailed by three in the second half and won by 21. Um, and, you know, we wrote that, you know, that they just found another gear. You know, they, this team does have that gear to where they can, they can take it there. Um, so, anyway, the question to Elliott after the game, who had had a really nice game, 14 points. Uh, Evan wrote a really nice story about – Elliot, that you guys should check out. Um, but the question was, how do you describe this team's ability to string together runs? Um, and Cadeau said, I just think it's confidence. And this was the best part, I thought. He goes, in the most humble way possible, we know we're the better team out there. Which <laughs> I thought was kind of, you know, he. I mean, he said it. He And he did. It wasn't – he did say it in the most humble way possible, too. He was almost like leaning forward with, like, yeah. his hands clasped together. Um, like, please forgive me, Father, before I say what I'm going to say. We know we're going to kick their butt. <laughs> you know, like, um, but the full quote was, in the most humble way possible, we know we're the better team out there, and we're just confident. We never start stressing or anything. We just keep our composure and just keep playing hard. So, you know, one thing we know about this this Carolina team, they don't lack for great quotes, you know. Uh, I tell you who's on a little bit of a hot trick is Jalen Withers. I've been really enjoying talking to him lately. Um, but I thought that was good from Cadeau. I thought it was fitting and apt. And, uh, I think the number is they have played, what are they? Have they played 18 games? They've played 19 games. Yes. They're 16 and three, right? Mm-hmm. They played 19 games in 13 of those games. UNC has had a 10 0 run or more. So, you know, that'll do it. Right. Um, so that's what I had from Cadeau in the most humble way possible. We know we're better. Yeah, that that young man, to see him, I tweeted a picture, and I don't have her name in front of me. She took some photos in response to Cadeau's mother on Twitter and posted them. 
and the pure joy that young man plays with um, when other guys are doing well um, is cool to watch. Evan, you're up, my man. Bring it in. Bring it in. I'm going to throw the poll up here, you know, and we're going to see who gets the winning votes later on, but you're up. Yeah, I'm going back-to-back weeks talking about Harrison Ingram's rebounding just because I think I've – there's some numbers I'm going to spew off after this quote that I think are pretty remarkable. Um, but just talking about his turnaround, I just wanted to figure out, was there something that kind of lit a fire with him? Because his, his rebounding numbers have been <laughs> ridiculous during this run streak. I know what this and, is. And he just said, basically, I had to run so much. I was like, I'm not running again. So every time there's a rebound, I'm going to grab it. I don't care if all my teammates are about to grab it. I'm going to go grab it. And I was like, well, when's the last time you've had a run? And he's like, I haven't ran since that one day. I ran about 30 up and downs. And I was like, nope, not happening again. (laughs) So in two years at Stanford, 65 games, he had six games of double-digit rebounds. Wow. In 19 games this year at Carolina, he's got seven already. That's crazy. And then I think the craziest thing, well, two things. He's leading the ACC in rebounding per game in ACC games only, so just in conference games. He's first in the conference. And I think the, the really interesting thing is, is during UNC's nine-game win streak, so the last nine games starting at the Oklahoma game all the way up to the win at Wake, Harrison's averaging 10.3 rebounds per game. In the first 10 games of the season, so every game leading up to that Oklahoma game, he was averaging 6.2 rebounds a game. So he's jumped over four rebounds a game in a little in the last month and a week, basically. And talking to the guys, you know, the rebounding and defensive emphasis, it appeared, was made clear right before that Oklahoma game. There was something that we still haven't really been able to figure out what was necessarily told, but it's kind of been implied that Hubert Davis kind of drew, as Adam has said, a lot, a line in the sand. And it was like, if you guys want to be good, if you guys want to achieve your goals, you're going to have to defend and you're going to have to rebound. And it's now been eight straight games where they've out rebounded an opponent. And I think it's by 113 rebounds during those eight. Right. Plus so that's, that's a margin of over 14 a game. And a lot of that has to do with Harrison Ingram rebounding at a career high rate um, and just honestly, I mean, some of the boards he gets to, I mean, he had 14 the other night against Wake Forest all on the defensive end. I mean, those are just pure hustle. And he's kind of gone into how he's playing at the four this year for the first time in his career. He's he's not playing at the three, which is obviously a lot different in terms of boxing out more because you're, you got lower positioning than coming in from the wing. So I think just his continued development with, being a rebounder and how important that has been during this win streak. Um, it's just been kind of a big reason why they've won nine straight. Hey, it, it kind of plays into the quote I'm going to give on my end um, and hat tip to Joey. He had to text me about it because I had forgotten. It's been a rough week. Talked to Patrick Suttis earlier this week with Don Callahan on noon dish, had a great interview with him. If you hadn't checked that out, folks, go check it out. Adam, you need to check that out. Um, Suttis, Suttis, when, I ask him, you know, how do you decide who you're going to recruit and, and chemistry? And you know, I'm, I'm big on chemistry this week. I feel like I've been watching Breaking Bad, so I'm talking about chemistry and uh, different kind of chemistry, but you get the point. Uh, and, and so does said how much they pay attention to what all these young men do, not just on the football field, how you treat your folks, how you treat your schoolmates, your, your teachers, what do you do in class if your grades are good. 
And he said, how you do anything is how you do everything. And it's an interesting play here with Evan's point about Harrison Ingram is defensive rebounding is all about effort and want to. And I don't know if anybody on that team plays with any more than he does. There might be some that play with it. But to see that jump from a guy who averaged a few and how he's blown up at Carolina, granted the position change makes a difference. I just think that that mindset is really carried forward for him and for everybody else. And um, I thought it was an interesting quote that Joey pointed out to me and how it goes all around because it really goes all around, Adam, even when we were talking baseball today. It's all the same stuff and how all these guys are connected. Um, we're talking to the On The Beat crew. That was the quote section. I'll throw a poll up here earlier. Um, let's go ahead and look ahead to Florida State before we get into the stories because I, I want to hear a couple of these. And i tell you, somebody in the chat said Adam is a legend. About to hear some stories from a legend or about a legend. That'll be funny. That's my but, guy, Gary Clemens. The, yeah, I mean, it, I love it. He's on the payroll. Appreciate he is definitely. You, on <laughs> Jeremiah, give me your thoughts on this upcoming game with Florida State. I think folks forget, and correct me if I'm wrong. Florida State was ahead by 15 at halftime, or something to that. They were led by that much against Carolina. 14 might have been the biggest deficit, or am I wrong about that, guys? Uh, the halftime lead, Florida State was up six. Um, I have to find. I have to find later what the 14 lead. sounds right. I mean, they went on a 22 to 0 run. I think it was yeah. a 14. Yeah, it was a 22 nothing run. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But so, I think 14, they were down. Yeah. Uh, in the second half, I th- I'm pretty sure. 14, I see 14, yeah. It was 45-31, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at home. And yeah. They were getting – That was the league opener. Yeah, I mean, what – Two I'm months ago, I guess. Jeremiah, but, you know, what will be interesting – well, there will be a bunch of stuff, but, like, how different of a team is Florida State now? You know what I mean? Like, UNC is definitely a different team. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what FSU has, however many, six weeks later. Not probably more than that, right? Like – a bunch was of it weeks. was it December third or something? I can't Second. keep up with all that. But a, a long time ago, championship game. Um, oh yes, you remember Absolutely. how we thought there might be a conflict there? Uh, <laughs> that was a thought early on. Football at night. Been a long but, season, right? Yeah. Uh, God, and it's only January twenty. Yeah, we just started. Uh, so, so Jeremiah, this Florida State game. Th- this team is not. This team's traditionally been big. And Bryce Johnson on shooting it straight was talking about how they had all these seven footers back in the day. They're not that big anymore, but they're athletic. Leonard Hamilton, I want to know what fountain of youth he's drinking out of. The man has looked the same for 30 years. Um, props to him for that. But Jeremiah, sort of speak to Carolina's challenge this weekend. Yeah, certainly. Well, this is the team, Florida State, that was the closest, obviously, to beating UNC in the conference. They are second in the ACC right now. The thing with Florida State, they're not an elite offensive team scoring-wise. They're not bad, but they're certainly not like an elite. They're about 77 points a game. Uh, But they can make things pretty uncomfortable for you, and they made things very uncomfortable for uh, North Carolina as well. So um, that's a game that I think right there is – uh, one of the biggest – this is probably the biggest challenge they'll have pre-Duke, you know, to me. I think Clemson was probably – that was probably Clemson before that. And so if you want to say Florida State's right after Clemson as far as, like, biggest challenge before they play Duke in the conference, 
I mean, I would say it is like, you know, just because of the way that they were able to to play them. I think what ended up happening in the game that UNC won, they just did really well making adjustments and that full court press just worked great. So ultimate like comparison, when they tried the full court press against UConn, that team had guards that could really get the ball up the court. You know, UNC couldn't speed them up in the same way they were able to speed up Florida State and make them make mistakes. Um, so in that particular game, uh, the press was very effective, and that's what allowed UNC to do its thing. And they can score in bunches if you let them. Um, one thing I think you should pay attention to, UNC on the road, particularly in ACC play, has been far less efficient. Uh, they've scored fewer points, and they shoot a lower percentage when they're away from Chapel Hill. Now, they've been winning those games, uh, but that has that has been kind of the theme. Uh, and we talk a lot about how all these wins are by double digits. A lot of these games are close. I think the I think the uh, the game the ACC game on the road that was like a double digit game probably I guess quote unquote the quickest I believe it was Pitt and it was like with six minutes left like by the time it was like six minutes left uh, and I have to double check exactly the game but there was one game it's like about six minutes left that's when it became double digits but a lot of these games I mean there's some of these games down to like the last one or two minutes it was still within single digits before some free throws or some late scoring whatever so. They played a lot of close ones on the road. They've they've had to really battle a lot of these out on the road. So um, that's one thing to pay attention to. How does the UNC offense kind of respond to being in a different crowd, being in a different environment? Um, and that'll really tell the tale of the game. Yeah, Evan, get in here and then Adam, you know, we talked about the difference in the teams, Florida State, North Carolina. Um, we talked a little bit after baseball today. I mean, Carolina's rolling. How long can the role continue? And does the does there need to be a few bumps in the road? And and I don't know, given the way this ACC works, is you can't lose at home to anybody not named Duke. Um, and and playing on the road is always going to be tough. Just sort of speak, build off Jeremiah's challenge of going to FSU and then turn around going to Georgia Tech. We can talk about, but Florida State just always seems like they're always that that team that's been an issue, especially down there for North Carolina. Yeah, uh, here's this for thought. The first time these teams two met was the uh, debut of the starting lineup that's been hold, held out throughout the first year or throughout the full year since that point. Um, I mean, like you said, with how the ACC is going, you can't afford to lose home games really other than, I guess, Duke in terms of the metrics. I think the interesting with Florida State is they actually have, um, and this is a little tease to the, my preview that will come out later this week, but their third link, leading score didn't play against UNC. Uh, Primo Spears, he comes off their bench. He's a, a guard. He had the whole two-time waiver transfer thing that Efton Reed was also kind of dealing with uh, for Wake Forest. So he wasn't eligible when these teams met in Chapel Hill, and obviously he'll, he'll be a factor in the game on Saturday. Um, he well, the other night at Syracuse, right? Yeah. 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 He, he, he averages about 12 a game. He doesn't start. He, he'll come off the bench, um, but he'll definitely be a factor on Saturday. Uh, I think the interesting thing with Florida state is though, they're not as tall as they used to be in terms of like having all these guys that are over seven feet tall. They're still pretty tall. I think four out of their five starters are over six, five something like that. And I mean, you kind of saw the length uh, bother Armando in the first matchup and 
Armando historically has always kind of struggled with lankier, taller guys down low who might not necessarily be as strong as him, but just kind of have that, that wingspan and that range on him. But I mean, kind of to your point, Tommy, I mean, there are going to be some bumps in the roads. I mean, this team is more than likely, I would guess, is going to lose a couple of games before the regular season ends. Uh, when they come, I don't, I don't know. Um, it wouldn't be a quote unquote NCAA tournament C detrimental loss if they lost to Florida state. I mean, obviously it's one that I think you want to have, but I also don't think it's one that if they lose would be the the difference between them getting say a two or a three or a one or a two seed a couple months from now. Um, but I do think kind of in how Jeremiah was lining out, I do think this is the best team that they've played on the road in ACC play so far just considering, you know, at the moment it looked like Clemson, but they've kind of fallen off with home loss to, to Georgia Tech. And I guess they did beat Florida State. But I just think this team presents maybe some more issues with their length, with their athleticism, more so than than what Clemson does. So I think it'll be just a overall really interesting test, just both of these next two road games, really. Yeah, Adam, speak some wisdom here. Carolina goes to Florida State. Um, you know, RJ's coming off that monster game. I don't know if – you sort of get in a rhythm of playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and Carolina has been off since Monday. I don't know if that really matters. I don't know if they really needed the, the legs and the rest and all that. But your take on this game, I think it's a very big basketball game for North Carolina. Um, and it's one of those tail games is can they keep it going? Can they continue to grind on the road um, ahead of everybody's talking about Duke? Everybody, all the fan base talking about Duke. And there's two important ones, especially given, like I mentioned, and Evan built on, the ACC sucks. <laughs> and, and so the games the game, the games like this become more important because of that. The Florida State's pretty good. Your, your thoughts here on, the next, on this one and then the next one. You need to have a graphic. The ACC sucks. <laughs> that's, my, that's my new quote of the week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So last I week we did a show and somebody said ACC sucks. I mean, <laughs> you I have John Bowman just pushing the buttons from somewhere <laughs> in his uh, his man cave. ACC suck. Dur, 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 dur. Have, it, have it flashing. Have it flashing on the screen. Yeah, right. Right. We have another moment of the ACC sucking. I will um, say they suck in the net. They suck in the metrics. Yeah, ACC is wonderful. They just come up short in the metrics. Yeah, we could talk all day about that, honestly. I actually was talking <laughs> to Bubba Cunningham the other day, and he uh, hates the net. He has hated the net forever. Um, and he's obviously on the NCAA Tournament Men's Basketball Committee. He's the dang vice chair this year. Next year, he'll be the dang president. Uh, or the chair. Sorry, the chair. But uh, he cannot stand the net. If you want to get Bubba Cunningham going, mention the Mountain West and like five or six teams, whatever it is in the Mountain West and how much the net loves them, and then how much the Mountain West, other than San Diego State, who obviously had a great tournament last year, has sucked it up when they've gotten in the tournament. But, yeah, Evan, call up the net while Adam's talking, and tell me where BYU is compared to Carolina all and all those rankings. They're high. I, think they're one, I think they're at five right now. I checked this morning. <laughs> they're one spot ahead of UNC. I appreciate what... the love, by the way, from Sean Crowley in the chat about the birthday love. That's very sweet of you, Sean. Um, Somebody else asked, have you taken your Christmas tree down yet? I mean, I know I'm oh, a couple everything weeks. came down quick, man. I wish it would have stayed up longer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like your, uh, I like, I think he said we're still last birthday in the 20s. Uh, yeah, that ship sailed a long time ago, but uh, the 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, 
with Florida State, I mean, this team has won six of their last seven. They're six and one over their last seven games. Uh, I was looking at it just a second ago. <laughs> they lost at home to Lipscomb on December 30th, which, I mean, who knows? How the hell do you do that? But since then, since they lost to Lipscomb at home, they've won six of seven, and those have all been ACC games. The only loss is to Clemson at home. Um, and, Tommy, I do hear what you're saying, that they don't have, like, seven skyscrapers they throw out there anymore, but they're long as hell. I mean, they they do not have – FSU does not have a point guard. Um, you know, they have the Darren Green guy who was sort – you know, he's a shooting guard. He's like 6'5". He's like their smallest starter. And then they go like 6'7", 6'7", 6'9". And then you got Baba Miller, who's, you know, I mean, he looks like a miniature Wimbanyana, this, the way he's built. Um, I mean, he's nasty, man. I don't know if – I mean, he is nasty. Um, I know I've told the story before, but last year we got down there to cover UNC, FSU, and Tallahassee, final week of the regular season. It was a big Monday game. And it was the game where Leakey had the dunk in the last 90 seconds to seal it. And Leakey had a great game. I think he had 18 points. Armando Bicot, the last time UNC was at FSU, had one point on a free throw. I had already written in the story that he went scoreless. Because, like, this thing was, like, at the very end. The dude didn't make a shot. Um, We still got to talk to him afterward. It was still kind of hilarious that, you know. He comes out of the locker room and Steve Kirshner is like, anybody want Armando? I'm like, yes, get, get over here if he's available. <laughs> you know, like, what in the world was going on, Armando? Uh, but we'll see if he has more than one um, uh, on, on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's a road game. UNC has not lost on the road. They win the, the next time. They, if they win Saturday, they will have won 10 games in a row. I mean, that's pretty dang impressive, you know. Yeah. That's you the could, most impressive thing to me. You could, if UNC wins Saturday and wins in Atlanta, they'll be 10-0 and 0 in the league going into the first Duke game. Also, if you beat Florida State, you'll have a two-and-a-half game lead in the conference standings because Duke had that midweek bye. I guess it was last week they had the midweek bye. So they, they're one game behind Carolina. So NC State lost, obviously, at UVA the other night, last night, and if – uh, UNC beats FSU. These are the top two teams in the league standings. You know, FSU's second place at, at six and two in the league. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally think UNC's a much better team than FSU. Now, FSU gave them a ton of trouble in Chapel Hill, but um, I thought UNC really exploited the fact they didn't have the ball handling when they went to that press and completely changed the game. You know, with Seth Trimble and these guys flying around. That was one of those Seth Trimble games where you came off the bench, and you're like, dang, man. You know, Evan had a story today about the sophomores, Trimble and Washington. That was one of those games where you're like, man, Seth Trimble's a difference maker off the bench, you know? Um, so, Is he the X factor Saturday? I mean, very well could be. I mean, you're talking about – somebody mentioned in the chat, might have been Sean Crowley again. You know, Withers is really playing well right now. And um, I was talking to him the other day. You know, he's got – I don't know if you guys have noticed it, Tommy, like when you do your post-game stuff while we're scurrying around, but – like on the baseline there, he the, the timing with him on the baseline and some of those cuts where RJ and Cadeau and some of the guys find him cutting and he's next thing you know he's swinging off the rim with a huge dunk. Um, him running the baseline has really gotten to be sort of a nice little element uh, for UNC. I think it, it's it's seeing how Hubert Davis has put together sets, plays, whatever they want to call them 
that are, that benefit that that play into what they can do. People aren't out there being asked to do things they can't do, and I and I don't know if that's necessarily was the case the last couple of years, and even with Roy Williams at times is, you know. You got guys doing what they can do, Jeremiah. When you talk about a guy like Withers, you talk about Seth Trimble. They're not going to be, you know, 25-point scorers and all that stuff. But they can get down there and they can do the grind. Withers can, you know, dunk on somebody or play defense and, and, and make a difference. Seth Trimble has been that guy, even though he, he's been a little quiet lately. Um, it's easy to point to RJ and to an lesser extent, Baycott and Cadeau's rise. But I think Trimble and Withers deserve a lot of this credit, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, the way I look at this UNC team, I feel like they honestly have, like, seven starters. You know what I mean? Like, Withers and Trimble have started this year, so that's part of it. Um, but I, But those are guys where, especially, you know, sometimes it depends a little bit on the matchup, but usually, um, especially lately, if you put Seth Trimble and Jalen Withers in the game, they like are noticeably out there. Like whether that's defensively, usually with Seth is more so defensively. A lot of the threes that he's gotten this year have really been like, you know, catch and shoot, which is obviously a high percentage uh, level of shot. He likes that corner three as well. Um, so that's where he gets a lot of his point. And he, uh, Seth Trimble uh, also is really good when you get him out in transition. Like he likes to run. He likes to kind of get – up and down. He, try, he wants to dunk on everybody. Uh, you know, a lot of times he kind of switches it to the layup to secure the two points. But if it was up to him, he would just dunk everything and he would just dunk on everybody. Um, and then when you look at Jalen Withers, he hasn't knocked down the three, probably at the, you know, rate that people probably would have expected. He And obviously different situations in Louisville. He shot, you know, 40% from three, took more of them. Uh, but he was efficient with the ones that he took. So he hasn't really been doing that. Like he hasn't been like a stretch four, um, but he's been, you know, a very usable guy out there. His defense uh, has been there. They've been able to use him in that regard. And also he's just generally gotten more comfortable and gotten more used to, you know, the team and, and what they are expecting out of him, what they need out of him. And, you know, so he's certainly been uh, a lot more. And honestly, and he's also played, in recent games, he's played actually at the five a little bit more. So uh, not a ton. He still mostly plays at that four, but he's played a little bit more at the five. So um, when I look at Seth Trimble, when I look at Jalen Withers, those are guys that could start for most teams. Those guys could honestly start on ACC teams, just depending on how you want to use them. Uh, so and that's something that, you know, if you want to think back to last year, even though that seems like a long time ago, like you didn't really have that last year. You didn't really have like extra like starters off the bench that could really do some of the things that Seth Trimble and Jalen Withers have been able to do. So, you know, there are certainly places in those lineups where you can just kind of plug and play Seth. You could play Seth at the, depending on the team, you could play Seth at like the three is kind of a, you know, an, I don't even know what, I, I kind of don't even know what Seth is. Like he's a guard, but like, you know, the, the way they use him. Uh, and then Jalen Withers, you could play him at that four. So, uh, but yeah, so those guys have, have definitely been difference makers uh, from North Carolina. Yeah. Trimble's that, I think, that classic combo guard sure, wing ish. Sure. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Withers. Uh, I like the guy. I like what he brings to this team. And somebody in the chat, uh, I think it was Garrett Chapman said he's playing within himself. He's not trying, again, not trying to do stuff you can't do. Uh, and, and I think that is a big thing. Let me talk a second about Johnny T-shirt. We're halfway through. Um, well, I said 45 minutes, so we're three-quarters of the way through. 
Johnny T-shirt, I needed them today. I needed some rain gear today because we walk out of Boshammer Stadium, it's pouring down rain. But we had a chauffeur, and, and Adam Smith pulled right up to the door. You know, you, you're talking about parking on the curb. Adam parks on the curb and gets us where we need to be. But Johnny T-shirt would have saved Adam that trouble of picking us up if I'd have gone there and bought some rain gear. Anything the, for the team. Yeah, anything for the team. Uh, I'm glad it was you because I'd have run over, I'd have hit the fence and it'd have been a whole nother trouble there. But uh, Johnny T-shirt, great friends of Inside Carolina, great friends of you, the premium subscriber. So join it, get your 10% off. Go see them on Franklin Street. If you're in town for the Duke game in a couple of weeks, go see them there. If you're in Chapel Hill at any time, walk into Johnny T-shirt, tell them you're an Inside Carolina subscriber. They'll hook you up on that 10%. National guys will pay the bills. It's on the beat. We road tripping with the Inside Carolina Beat crew. Okay, we're back. On the beat, story time. I'm saving Adam for last. Evan, give me a story. Quick story. We need to let the legend tell his story, so he, he, it needs to breathe, so we need to be quick early on. By yeah. the way, we got, we got some people making some good points in the chat over here. George Jenkins, always making good points. I'm trying Don't to stab him. Brian, I think it's Brian Evans. Yep, good points by Brian Evans. Some good points in the chat over here. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, I'll give everybody their flowers. Adam's just trying to get brownie time. points for the survey doing that. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> hey, that's. I'm just agreeing with, you know. Totally messing. <laughs> that it is, is, God, it does look like I'm sucking up to the teacher, doesn't it? Yeah, really. Start throwing apples up here. Eddie Haskell uh, from Leave It to the Beaver or whatever that show was. <laughs> is that what it, it was? Brown it, nose it? Man, you're showing your age. Yeah, I'm, really. I'm, And I'm older than you, too, so be quiet. This is the old guy section. Evan, kick it to the young guy. Evan, give me a story. Yeah, I will not take the five-minute allotment. I can guarantee that because I know Adam's got some good stuff. But um, I thought it was fun walking down to uh, – post-game pressers after the Wake Forest game, you kind of walk in the tunnel that passes the hallway that the the guys come out at the beginning of the game and Drake Powell and Kendra Harrison are standing there. And obviously Drake Powell, senior year at Northwood, five-star guy, top 10 recruit. And Kendra is, boy, does he pass the uh, the airport test, as people would say. I mean, <laughs> And he is a sophomore in high He's a sophomore. School. I mean, he's a 15, 16-year-old kid. And Six seven two thirty. Yeah, every bit of it. Um, and it just had me thinking because obviously Kendra is a five star football player, top ten, pretty much consensus. Obviously, still way early uh, in terms of what his final ranking will be. And then on the basketball side, he's kind of that a fringe four or five star, uh, just another highly recruited guy. Um, but just a number of things when you see those two together, it's kind of funny because they actually played against each other. Uh, in the John Wall over uh, Christmas. And I think Kendra actually won that game uh, over Northwood. But I was trying to think back to, because I would assume wherever Kendra ends up playing, he, he's going to want to play both sports. Um, just because he's highly, highly recruited at both. And it had me thinking, when was the last time UNC had a guy like that? Um Julius it, Peppers. Well, I was thinking Greg Little. Greg Little. Um, Julius Peppers. Well, well, <laughs> yes. right. Yes. In terms of in terms of impact. But even was Greg, even, the, was Greg Little on the national championship team? 2005? Am I am I am I 
math may be all I'm off. Trying to, maybe I'll look actually, it up. I'll look it up. I, later. Was, I think he was, oh, he was later. Yeah. I he played remember. for Butch, right? Davis. Yeah. That would have been the nine. I, I'm team, right? But he, he, he was on the basketball team for one year. He was not a contributor by any means, but that also, was uh, yeah, he, he was did, kind of, it was kind of funny to think back, you know, some of these guys of recent, you had Chasserat, who was apparently given a walk-on spot on the basketball team, obviously never fulfilled that. And also you had Keyshawn Silver, who oh when he God. when he committed to play football, he was given supposedly a walk-on spot for basketball. Um, so it kind of just got me down this rabbit hole, which I thought was kind of funny. And it all came back to Julius Peppers and Ronald Curry, because I was trying to think of who not only who were the last players to play both sports at UNC, but the last players to have impacts because you would assume wherever Kendra ends up, he will have an impact in both sports. This is not a guy that, you know, a lot of the guys who have played historically at UNC have been really good football players. They come on, they play basketball and they're really just a a bench warmer kind of guy. That's not going to be the case. I would assume for Kendra, he's probably going to be an impact player on both fronts. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, you're talking about a sophomore. He's got a miles way to go in terms of his recruitment. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure the visit he was on for the Wake Forest game was mainly solely uh, basketball. I think it was Don who had reported he had actually talked to to Galloway some at the game, uh, and they've got kind of a cool uh, background being both from uh, Reedsville. But yeah, I mean, that's a kid that you kind of walk by him and. He looks like if if he was walking around campus tomorrow, he'd fit to class, right in. You wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. blink twice. I it's mean, unbelievable. He's, he's, he's a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Uh, Greg Little was on the 2008 Carolina team. I do not see him on the nine roster. Um, People were saying Jesse Holly. Maybe I mixed them up. Wide receivers. That Jesse Holly played both. Uh, yes, I think you might be right on that. But Jeremiah, give me a quick story. Yeah, before I get to the story, man, shout out to Denzel Keys, former North Carolina ANT wide receiver. He also did the football, basketball. So context, like my dad, so he works on the uh, he's been on the athletic department at ANT for a while. So like Denzel Keys, so he was really good, like wide receiver. Anytime he played basketball, that dude got like so many rebounds. I swear, like forget like the numbers. It's just like the way he would do it. So uh, you know, shout out to the the basketball and football guys. But um, the story that I had, it's funny that uh, Evan brought up Drake Powell because my story actually is a Drake Powell story. Uh, I was at Northwood on Friday um, watching, you know, obviously uh, watching Drake Powell play, um, you know, in person because I hadn't got a chance to really sit and like, you know, watch a full game. And so uh, first of all, that whole Northwood team is good. Like those guys can like shoot it. They pass the ball, like they move around. Uh, they move the ball around uh, very well. Uh, so that whole team is, is is cold. But, you know, I'm just watching Drake Powell and the way he plays the game. He didn't this particular game, I, was, I should say. Uh, he actually was facilitating a lot. So he ended up uh, with a triple double. So I didn't realize in real time I could tell he was on his way, but I didn't know that he had officially logged one. Uh, so the stat line, if I remember correctly, was 10 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Uh, so from the onset of the game, the dude is like dishing and like they're nice passes too. like he's throwing guys open, finding the open man, whatever, not really looking for a shot. He definitely found it where he needed to. Uh, he has some nice dunks and things like that. 
Um, but part of why where the story part kind of ends up, uh, you kind of just remember how big the brand of Carolina basketball is and also just the excitement that comes around it. So uh, the stadium is, or the, I shouldn't say the stadium is basketball, but the, the court um, is pretty full. But after the game, there's a really long line lined up to Drake Powell for pictures and autographs and like everything like that. I mean, like I should have timed how long I, what I should have did. I should have timed how long uh, the kid was still there. Cause like the guy hadn't even like, left the court to like go talk to his parents. You know what I mean? Like he's still like on the court, you know, signing whatever, you know, just all these like young Carolina fans, you know, looking forward to, you know, seeing their, uh, you know, their future guy really. Um, so this is obviously somebody that um, is a top 10 recruit and he's so close. That's why that's a lot of the reason I wanted to go out to the game. The guy, I mean, he's, he's really, he's not too far from, where I stay in the grand scheme of things, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, getting to, to see him, his athleticism was obviously um, on full display. Obviously everybody who reads, uh, you know, Sherelle's content, you should, if you don't, but everybody that reads it knows the type of, of player he is. But I think, I also think it's cool uh, just how, you know, nice of a human being he is. You know, I've talked to him uh, a few times. I was at a signing day, met his parents there. His parents are great. Um, you know, and, and met some people that he knows. So uh, I thought that was a neat little, a neat little scene, you know, people uh, kind of seeing, you know, one of their future players or one of UNC's future players um, really before that rise starts. And then also, if you haven't been to a Northwood game, their starting lineup is actually like the, the way they do it's kind of the same. Like they play jump around, they play the same like starting lineup music, you know, so I don't know if that's intentional. Like I said, it's the first game I've been to, but uh, they kind of keep some of those same, uh, you know, things that uh, that UNC uses. So, uh, yeah, so it's certainly an entertaining player to watch and someone that uh, UNC can certainly use, uh, certainly use next year. Yeah, I don't know if folks are in the area, but if you're in the area, go check out Northwood and see them play. I mean, it'll be in the in the state high school tournament and all, but that's the cool thing about Drake deciding to stay there. He could have gone anywhere and played any one of these basketball factories and played, but he stayed at Northwood, which in the grand scheme is a tiny, a tiny school that's, you know, right next door to Chapel Hill. So that's pretty cool. And Jeremiah, you're right to see the young crowd of that area swarming for, for autographs. John Bowman did an all-access video. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, shout-out to John. He was there as well. I totally meant to mention it. Yeah, John was there, like you said, Tommy, doing the all-access stuff, man. So he was getting some good stuff. He was out there, had the had the cameraman. He was getting shots of what I was talking about, the long line. He got, you know, obviously some of Drake's highlights. Drake had some nice dunks in the game, man. So and me and him talked to him after the game. But yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I forgot to shout out John. Yes, shout out hey. to John. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a video that's up on the YouTube channel. Certainly check it out. Let me do this. Let me talk about Congruity, which is our, our second sponsor here. Not national guys, but Congruity is certainly a national business. They've built their small business into a monster business and they can help you do the same thing for your small and mid-sized business. They got the technology and everything to handle your payroll and HR while you grow your business. Go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels, fill out the free assessment, take care of them. They'll look at what you got. They'll give you a free assessment on how they can help you. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do anything. You didn't lose anything. But if you do like it and you go to work with them, know that you're getting some of the best in the business and handling all of that. 
payroll and HR pains in the butt for a business person. They'll tell you that. Congruity takes that off your plate, helps you out, does everything they can to grow your business into the type of business that they've become, which is a national business that is North Carolina-based. Adam Smith, story time has arrived. I'm giving you – I said we're getting out of here in 45 minutes, but quite frankly, I want to hear the stories because some of the teasers you gave me today sound pretty epic. Um, Some of the things you see on the road and opportunities you get on the road, right impressive. I was laughing at Tina Williams in the chat too. That was pretty funny. She's working overtime in there. (laughs) I'm not smart enough to do that, Tina. I have no, I appreciate Dolphin, my guy or girl or they, whoever they are. Um, but um, that's not, I don't you don't have a, you don't have a burner YouTube account. I don't know how to post in the chat. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I do not know how to do it. Do you I not have you. this for you guys? Do you not have a bar at the bottom where you can click on it and post? Oh, it does say join the chat. Well, okay. there we go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, where do I even start, TA? Um, I guess I'll just start telling the story. And if you guys want to jump in, so I'm not rambling. If I'm going too long, hit me with the is it what is it Oscars music where you get played off and you need to shut up. <laughs> the hook. We'll get the old uh, the hook and drag you off the side of the stage. Well, as everyone knows, UNC played at Boston College last weekend, and my uh, my best friend Jim Hawkins, uh, legendary IC photographer, and I were up there for that one. Um, and it was the frozen tundra of Boston, by the way. I mean, it was cold. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of snow up there that hadn't melted. I believe when we left the hotel to go over to, to um, BC for the game, it was 15 degrees. Um, it was quite pretty, but, you know, for a boy from Mebane, North Carolina, driving in that stuff, it's not, you know, it's a little, little nerve-wracking. Um, but, the, I mean, the main thing I have is uh, – who sat directly to my right um, at, at BC. And that was none other, none other than legendary sports writer Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe, who you all have seen on ESPN and everywhere. Um, it was pretty freaking cold. I mean, we got there super early, um, and the weather was just cutting through. You ought to have seen us walking in. I mean, it was rough because the wind was going. Um, we, had, we beat the UNC team over there. We, we stayed so close to the arena. But I was looking at the seating chart when we got there, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Because um, it was, you know, it was Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated, my dumb ass, and Bob Ryan. Uh, you know, so, um, and so anyway, get out there. I don't know, 20, 30 minutes before before tip off, before you finally sit down to really hunker in, um, and the man turns and extends his hand to me, and he goes. I'm Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe. <laughs> and I said, I shook his hand. I mean, he, the guy's introducing himself to me. Uh, think about that, actually. You know, he could have easily big time me and not said a damn thing. Um, I said, Bob, I'm Adam Smith with Inside Carolina. It's it's great to talk to you. And I had I've actually met Bob before at a Wake Forest game, of all things, several years ago. And we talked the whole game. I mean, he's 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 just a fascinating guy. I have his book. I should have brought it down. It's it's upstairs on my uh, my bedside table. Um, it's called Scribe, his life as a sports writer. I think it's 56 years in the sports writing game. Um, Which is you know, insane, man. What the, what? Everything he's seen with his own eyes. 
Oh, I, I'm glad you said that, Tommy, because I actually look, I was curious. After, I, I was thinking about it and I was a little sleep deprived, but I was thinking about it when we were coming back the next day. And I was, I got, I'm not gonna lie to you. I got a little emotional. I mean, I was like, God, how lucky am I? I mean, this guy's one of my heroes, you know, like I understand for Jeremiah and Evan and, you know, these are young dudes that have a long way to go. And, you know, I guess in our business, I was, I, I mean, I looked up to the old time dudes. Um, so, you know, I, I can understand if they looked up the different people, but let's see, I, this, the stats were 20 NBA finals, 20 final fours, nine world series, five super bowls, seven Olympics. He's in the basketball of, they put him in the basketball hall of fame when I was in high school. <laughs> That's how long he's been in there. He votes on the baseball hall of fame. He's been national sports writer a million times. So Bob Ryan introduces himself to me as you would do. And we ended up just talking the whole day and it was, it was great. He didn't have a notepad out there. He didn't have a laptop out there. He had his phone and everyone in the Conti forum, which holds 8,600 people was coming by there and talking to him. And he wasn't shooing nobody away. Uh, I've Googled him freaking Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey, uh, who seemed pretty important. Damn Senator comes by there. He's talking to Bob Ryan. Bob Ryan introduced me to Dana Barrows, who I'm sure Tommy remembers, mm -hmm. uh, a dude that could just fill it up at BC. He was in the NBA for a long time. He was probably ahead of his time. He was a very small guard who could shoot a Steph Curry type, obviously not as good as Steph, but um, I think if he was playing in the NBA today, you would know him a lot better. But um, So it was just, personally, it was amazing. And I was telling Bob Ryan about UNC. <laughs> Cause he's asking me about the team. And so he's, you know, what's going on up there in his head, man, 77 years old is just an encyclopedia. And I was telling Tommy today, guys, you know, he tells me he sort of, you could tell he was sort of trying to give me all of these UNC tidbits that he knew, you know, he's talking about Charlie Scott and people like that, but he tells me, which I told Tommy today, his uncle, Freddie Rip Ryan, played baseball at UNC in the 1940s. And sure enough, Tommy and I were looking today. Tommy found his name there. What, what is it? The wall of alumni? On the, on the Letterman. Yeah. Historical Letterman wall there. That's What's pretty it, cool. 46? And so I was like, good gosh. And he was telling me about him being, he was a middle infielder, you know, and he said he met a girl from Tennessee while he was at UNC and they never heard from him again, which was a joke. I mean, he didn't like disappear, but he, he went to live in Tennessee with her. Um, but the best thing that I got was, I mean, I was laughing. I'm covering this game and I'm laughing about it, was Bob Ryan told me, Adam Smith, that he was talking in the Celtics locker room one time to a sort of pissed off Larry Bird. I'm not sure if the Celtics won that game or not, but he had been scratched up, Larry Bird had, by Hubert Davis's exceptionally long fingernails. <laughs> And he said that Larry Bird told him, you ought to go over there and tell Hubert Davis to cut his damn fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> and he may have used some more colorful language than that, but um, I have to mess with Hubert about this, guys. Uh, but I was I was just telling Tommy today, I'm not going to do it when he's in front of a microphone and like put him on the spot because I don't want to embarrass him. But um, I'm going to have to say something to Hubert about his fingernails in the 90s. I mean, that's what was epic. the guy doing? Yeah, that's uh, epic. And we've all been there when you've gotten cut up by some guy that's, you know, the, the fingernails. 
Um, but it was just, it was, again, I, I mean, I might think about it one day and cry because it was awesome. He apologized to me. Bob Ryan apologized to me when someone, for, I think it was uh, 21 for BC, missed a free throw. Bob Ryan's a BC alum. Um, and he missed a free throw and he grunted. Bob did. He's like, oh, like that. And he's like, I'm sorry. That's the alum coming out of me. I was like, you do not have to apologize one bit. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, and it was fascinating, too, the way he w- watched the game. He was he was kind of getting on. He, he he likes Earl Grant, the Boston College coach. And I was telling about having covered him when he was at College of Charleston. But Grant took Quentin Post out late, late, you know, maybe four or five minutes left. Quentin Post had was in foul trouble just like Armando and everybody else was for UNC. And he took him out. He was trying to play offense, defense, Earl Grant was. And, and Bob was just like, you just can't do that right now. You got to have your horses in there. You can't do it. If he fouls out, he fouls out. But um, it was, I don't know. It was amazing, man. And, uh, look, uh, I, I totally feel you, man. That is an awesome story. And that's why I wanted you to go last. The, the humbleness oh. of some of the legends is just, it, it, you can't. You can't put it into words, man. And that's this dude's been doing it forever, and he gives you the time of day. And I he think wanted to hear what I had to say about UNC. I was yeah. telling him, you know, Harrison Ingram was is from Stanford. You know, Ingram caught that one-handed lob, and uh, he goes, he seems, you know, a little, you know, like he's so stocky he wouldn't be able to do that. So I said, Bob, I think that's about as high as he can get up. But uh, he is a he is a stocky dude. You know, like I was telling him about the players and uh he's telling me about the weather you <laughs> uh, know he was saying he said i told him i'm going to put you in an inside carolina tweet since we have made friends and he said you can put that i'm confirming this is the biggest crowd they've had here in years which i'm sure the crowds there only come out for for um unc and duke um crowd by the way was chanting deja deja at rj which i'm not <laughs> sure how that's even a heckle at this point like why would you why would chanting your girlfriend's name heckle you? Like I told somebody like, that's like chanting Beyonce at Jay-Z. Like what? Like they're a power couple. Like how could you, you're not heckling RJ Davis. I mean, this is, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I told him I'd read his book cover to cover. Um, I mean, you think about like, this guy's a giant, you know, you think about like he worked at the Boston globe with help me out here, Tommy, like Peter Gammons, you know, the UNC alum, Legendary UNC alum Peter Gammons, Jackie McMullen, um, you know, Dan Shaughnessy, uh, you know, like sort of a golden age of when newspapers yep. were king. Uh, which That's it. They're not anymore. But, um, you know, this guy was covering. <laughs> think about those Celtics teams he covered and the Red Sox. So, um, I know. All we can do is is watch it on TV and watch an ESPN 30 for 30 or whatever uh, about those rivalries. And that dude was living it. And so if you guys bump into him, don't be afraid to go talk to him because he will talk to you back. Um, I'm gonna say I work with Adam Smith. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is seriously. That's I love the old the old timer stories. Um, I, you know, it, it, you can't beat it, and that's one cool thing about going on the road. That's why we entitled this show "Road Tripping." Adam, I appreciate you sharing it, man. That was a great one. Thank everybody. You're welcome. Lucky, very lucky, very very lucky. Yeah, Jeremiah. And, Jeremiah and Evan got got that to look forward to one day. For sure. I was just about to say, like, and I don't know if this shows my age or what, but I always recognize Bob Ryan as a uh, around the horn yeah. legend. You know what I mean? Like, so if you go on there and 
whoever updates it, whatever. But if you go on Wikipedia, like if you find the right page, you can look at like the Wikipedia standings for like most around the horn winds. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. You can Bob Ryan's up there somewhere, man. He's he's gotten he's gotten his share of W's, man. So that's that's dope. I'm glad you got to do that. That's really cool. Oh, he's telling me stories about Charles Barkley in the 1992 Olympics with the dream team roaming around Barcelona in the middle of the night, you know, Jordan playing 36 holes of golf. Like it's just unreal sort of the seat that he's had. And it's funny you say that about around the horn, Jeremiah, because I'm telling, I'm not, this is, it's not embellishment. It was like a dang just procession line. They came by to see Bob Ryan and you'd hear people say like, I still read your column. I still read your column. It's a must read, you know, but you'd hear people say like, Oh, you really got so and so on around the horn the other day. You you know you put them in their place. Like, um, I mean, Boston is obviously a huge city, but it was almost like a just a small little community type thing um, there. The way they're talking to them, you know, like um, it's just amazing. The accents, you know, obviously, you know, ah, it's a must read, Bob. It's a must read. Um, that is legend, total legend. I'll tell my Dick Vitale story from the Bahamas at one point, but. Can't one up that one from Adam Smith. Evan, Jeremiah, I appreciate y'all sitting by, just like me, listening to a legend tell a story about a legend. It's been on the beat, uh, road tripping, stories from the beat. That's what we try to do here is let these guys sort of give you some tales from the inside and also what they see through their eyes because one day um, they'll be old like Bob Ryan and they'll be able to tell these stories and we'll be looking back and the young guys will be sitting there going, what the hell are these old guys talking about? You know, let's move on. Uh, but Adam, I appreciate it. Evan, I appreciate you taking time to join us. Jeremiah, always a pleasure, my man. Carolina women pulled it out. They tried to, uh, tried to make it interesting, but they ended up getting it done. Shout out to Johnny T-shirt and to congruity for sponsoring this podcast. Check out all the content on inside Carolina Shooting it straight with Justin Jackson. He had Bryce Johnson. Speaking of Florida State, Bryce Johnson hung 39 and 23 on Bryce Johnson or on Florida State. Unreal. And uh, Bryce tells about that night. Um, he said he could have had even more if they would have actually passed him the ball. Um, so he had to go get it himself. Great, great interview with Justin Jackson, interviewing his former guy, Bryce Johnson, and all the rest. Baseball stuff's up there. If you're so inclined, check out the baseball work. Shout out to the chat. Shout out to the 200 plus that joined us. Everybody be safe. Stay warm. Stay cool wherever you might be. Adam, Jeremiah, and Evan, I'll see you later.